Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you enjoy the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue to get the guests on and improve our podcast, we need support from listeners like you. That financial support helps us continue to do the podcast and get guests on that we normally would not be able to get on the show. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, and the number three after, and click on the support button. There will be options there for you to make a monthly contribution. With your contribution, we can continue to conduct the podcast and ask more well-known wrestlers from the past and present that require financial compensation to be on the podcast. Again, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, and the number three, and click on the support button. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for your support. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today was one of the members of Jimmy Hart's first family in the Memphis Territory, along with Austin Idol, Dennis Condre, Kevin Sullivan, and others. He also worked in most of the independent promotions and held numerous singles and tag team titles. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Chick Donovan. Chick, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me, Brian. It's quite an honor just to be here to, to be able to express some feelings of wrestling, which has, you know, come uh, come a long way, uh, and sometimes uh, maybe uh, maybe more of a negative way from what we were raised in, in the business from the old timers teaching us the old school wrestling of, of wrestling, and not so much just uh, stuff. Yeah. You know, wrestling is all about emotions. Now, and the, the old guys uh, uh, would take the. Uh, well, assassin number one, assassin number two, for instance, that was mm-hmm. Jody Hamilton and uh, Tom Ernesto. Okay, uh, they take they could have be on TV and a guy in his house. You hear the old stories about my well, my granddad used to he and I used to watch TV and he beat up the coffee table with a chair because <laughs> they had his emotions uh, in their pocket. No matter he was at home and they were on TV, but he still had their emotions. Yeah. Now the rest of the guy wears just stuff, incredible stuff, I guess. Uh, I may be a little jealous of not being able to do all the flips and flops they do, which I mean, phenomenal stuff, but it, but it really doesn't have anything to do with wrestling because, like I said, wrestling is all about um, uh, people's emotions, bringing them up and down in their seat, back and forth and up and down, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, bringing them down and bringing them back up and getting them on yeah. their feet. And, uh, yeah. uh, and so that, that was the old school I was taught from Ole Anderson and uh, got all the older guys and yeah. – uh, just, uh, I was just fortunate enough to grow up uh, in my beginning years with with those guys. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're not the first uh, wrestler or individual I've talked to that uh, from that that era we call it the the golden era. Uh, about the TBS era, TBS era, I call it. Yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a great time. I I miss it as well as I'm sure a lot of people that are in my age group and. Maybe a little younger, but if you're under about forty, you don't, and you've never seen it, you won't remember any of it. So it's it's a different time. I'm seventy, hitting seventy five now, but I'm still in all my matches now. You, know, yeah. you see all the stuff that the kids do. 
No matter what match I'm in, I'll, I'll do some wrestling. I'll take one one tackle drop down and get it again. Get some yeah. get some wrestling spots in there, and then uh, yeah. try to make all my finishes have a have a uh, a life lesson for the kids. Uh, the kids yeah. all around the ring. I take them around the ring with the belt and make a special night for them. But because uh, that's the that's the fans twenty years from now. So yeah. I still still want some of the old school wrestling, and then uh, have a life lessons in my in, in at the end of my matches. Like if. Uh, okay. Uh, for instance, uh, something I get mad about something, I'm gonna go beat up, say go start to hit the referee or whatever. <laughs> then I gotta show restraint because he's the boss. I gotta yeah. show the kids that somebody, the Lord's, the Lord is a, uh, or our Father in heaven, or our Father, earthly Father. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to show respect to, and we have to, we have to honor those. So I still, no matter how big you get in the, and how big you get, or in, in life, or whatever you obtain, you still have to answer to someone. Yep. And that's the lessons I like teaching the kids around the ring and, and, and all the matches that, that wherever I go. Yeah. And then to me, uh, the other day, I, I showed the result of that. The result of that could be this story, uh, incredible little story. I, I got cheated out of my, my belt, you know, the World Heavyweight belt, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I yeah. got cheated uh, in the match, and I lost the belt because I got cheated out of it. So this nine, I think eight or nine-year-old came to me, it's on the it's streaming on the internet there somewhere, but the, the whole the comeback. But he came to me with his WWE WWE belt and said, uh, "Chick, since you got cheated out of yours, I want you to have mine." Oh. <laughs> his heart was all over his head. I mean, his heart it was so heartfelt. I mean, yeah. God, but he was so sincere. Since you got cheated out of your belt, I want you to have mine. Yeah. That's so the, the next the next show we had in the same place, I brought him in the ring, set him in the chair, gave him his belt back, made him Mr. Lagrange, and had all the boys come in and <laughs> congratulate him like he was the world. And he is the world champion. He's yeah. my champion. I guarantee you that. After he, yeah. he said, since you got cheated out, I want you to have mine. What what? So I guess all the 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 stuff that I do in the ring is is, is trans, translating back to the kids like I was hoping it would be. Yeah. That's but wonderful. that was That's... Part, It was unbelievable. I want yeah. you to have mine because you got cheated out of yours. Unbelievable, yeah. man. That, that's unbelievable. a great. That's a great story. That's that's it's, wonderful. It's uh, just, you know, I I had it, somebody filmed all the stuff at the end, and <laughs> they said I was. You no, know, Betty White just passed away. Yeah, and you know why? The, they said I'm the Betty White of Lagrange, Georgia. <laughs> but I've done so much fundraisers and all kind of stuff through the years, yeah. but. But that's that's a lot of responsibility to be a Betty White yeah. of, of a town. But yeah. uh, okay. anyway, I thought it was quite quite uh, rewarding for all the hard work we put in. Yeah, 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 sir. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, you growing up. Uh, you're, you're from Georgia, Lagrange, I believe, correct? Yes, sir, I am. All right, let's let's talk about uh, your childhood uh, growing up in uh, Georgia. Yeah. You know, the kids nowadays say, well, we ain't got nothing to do. So they stay on the telephone or bang with their thumbs on the video games. But, but uh, back we, I dug me 18 holes in the backyard and had my stuff. In fact, I still got the same golf club here in my room right now. I'm looking at it. That I used <laughs> back, in the, back in the 50s uh, to hit around that 18-hole golf course I built in my backyard. I'll throw the ball <laughs> on the roof and run and catch it. I'll throw myself passes. We always learned to keep ourselves busy, plus all the chores we had to do. Yeah. But um, – but as as a kid, I was always kind of uh, rejected. At, at, you know, was last one picked for the team, or uh, I felt really insecure about myself because you know, I was kind of, I don't know, uh, I don't know what you call it. But anyway, that really gave me incentive to get into wrestling. I think to mm-hmm. to be the character 
goes, I know who I am and who I ain't. I know when I, when I drive in that parking lot, when I go in that ring, I'm a superstar. I yeah. can be assertive. I can be as, as assertive I want to be in that ring. But when I leave that, when I leave that arena and leave that parking lot, I know who I am. I know yeah. that's, that's me there and who I am here. Frank Goodish, Bruiser Brody, mm-hmm. gave me that piece of advice years and years ago before he was killed in uh, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. That he knew the discipline, Frank Goodish, which is his name, and, and he knew who he was and who he wasn't. You know that and it always stuck with me to know who you are in the moment. And who you ain't when you leave there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you get home, your wife's in charge. You know, (laughs) your wife's in charge now when you get home, so to speak. So, (laughs) you know, you you just got to know who you are then, who you are here. But in both cases, you still got to stay humble, you know. Oh, yeah. Arrogant, arrogance don't go anywhere, but humility goes a long ways because the way you get in, the way you get over the baby face or a good guy in wrestling is that you get in people's. You get in their mouth talking, get in their mind first, and you get in their mouth talking about you. Then you get in their heart. Right. And if you if you if you work for them, you work for the people. I always work for the fans. <coughs> uh, if you work for them, and you have and, and stay humble, well, they will follow you anywhere you want to go. Now, if you're a bad guy or a heel in wrestling, yeah, I'm doing a movie now called The Heels. But anyway, oh. side one. And a heel in wrestling, I'm trying to teach the kids. They don't. You don't want you to. You don't want you them to like you so much. But they want them to respect you for your wrestling ability. Yeah. So if you got a young kid in the ring, you don't want to cheat. You don't want to go there and cheat. You go out there and out wrestle him. Yeah. You want to get. You want to get known for your wrestling ability, and you want to get respected for that wrestling ability. And that's how you get over as as, as a heel or a bad guy in the business. I think. Yeah. Interesting. What I've learned through the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit how you got started in the business. Um, I've read it. Is it 1978? I don't know if it's earlier than that. Uh, you know, it's a little earlier than that. A okay, years earlier than that. Let's, maybe three years. Okay, let's talk about your training and how you got into wrestling. I'm sorry. Okay, I saw an ad in the paper for wrestlers and uh, in Macon, Georgia. I was a fireman uh, for there for about ten years or so, and a paramedic. In fact, I'm proud to say we helped. I helped. I uh, was on the ground floor starting all the EMS, uh, all the paramedic stuff or EMS stuff in Georgia. Okay. I had the first expectation tool and uh and drew power to be in that in a, at that point in the fire as a firefighter. Wow. But yeah, I uh answered the ad that I saw in the paper for a wrestler, so I was told by a few people, Oh, you can't do that. I was about hundred and twenty pounds because I was working four full time jobs. Yeah. Three hospital jobs on the, on my day off from the fire floor. Oh wow. So it was four it was four four full time jobs, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week I was working. Wow. I was about hundred and twenty pounds. I answered this ad, so I went over to talk to the guy. Grady Odom is his name in Macon, Georgia. He mm-hmm. he, he started the, the wrestling there. I always started uh, that particular entity there mm-hmm. at the, the wrestling school. Okay. So anyway, after I started, I started training. I, I quit one of the jobs, so I had time to train every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I gained a hundred pounds. I had to gain a hundred pounds in a year to get to get really get started. So I started eating, eating, and yeah. eating enough to put that hundred pounds on in about a, in less than a year's time. And uh, oh. yeah, and then started and then started having matches. But uh, just tell the kids that you get to a story to relate a story, and I'll get right back to where we were just at. Okay. I want to make a point. Okay. I remember one time I had to be at TV at TBS at eight o'clock that morning, mm-hmm. and and I went to get in my car, and it, it was broke down, oh. and it wasn't cranked. So I'm in uh, in in Macon, Georgia, on Highway 475 at, at that point. Mm-hmm. So we were going on uh, we were going on tour that coming week. So I had a 
I had a, my wrestling bag, heavy as lead, and I had a suit bag for clothes, and I had a suitcase that had wheels on it. Mm-hmm. My car won't go, but I'm determined to make TV. Yeah. So here I go, pulling that suitcase. It's on wheels at this point. Yeah. I got a heavy suit bag across my arm and my wrestling bag in, uh, in my hand. Yeah. Now I'm walking up Highway 475. Now I got the 75. Now I'm walking up 75. So you can do what you want to do if you want to do it bad enough, brother. Yeah. There ain't nothing to stop you if you want to do it better. So I'm walking up Highway 75 to TV, 14th Street in Atlanta to get a TBS mm-hmm. with this suitcase. Now, by this time, the suitcases, the wheels are gone. The suitcase is dragging on the ground. It's got a big hole in it for dragging on the highway. Yeah. But I'm walking. To, I'm going to get the TV. Ain't nothing going to stop me if I get in the TV. <laughs> so so I finally get a ride. I don't know. I don't remember how, how far I walked, but I walked enough to get a big hole in that suitcase, dragging on that stuff. But the whole point I'm saying is I was 120 pounds, and I wanted to be a wrestler. So I did whatever it took. Yeah. We worked every night in the ring. We worked. I ate and ate and worked and worked out. Started working out with weights, working out, working out, working out, and and just working really hard to get that hundred up to two twenty. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be two twenty, but that's what about what we needed in those days to mm-hmm. to be formidable. And training every night in that ring, and then uh, just about every day in the ring. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but walking to TV because I didn't want I didn't want to miss that TV. So so guys, no matter what you want, if you want to do it bad enough. Yeah. You'll just get up, figure out how to do it, and go do it. I mean, nobody yeah. can stop you from doing anything you want to do but yourself. Yeah. So back anyway, back when you asked me, back when I was a kid, I kind of picked on it as a kid. Yeah. So, you know, I could always be that character in the ring. I wanted to be that assertive character. Mm-hmm. And like I said, not, but I know who that assertive character is and who this passive character is. So, mm-hmm. But anything you want to do, guys, just uh, put your mind to it and go do it. Yeah. Oh, I I agree. But sometimes it, it, you know, you get challenges in life, but you gotta, like you said, you you walked, so you can overcome it if you really want to, you know. That's right. So if you want to do it bad enough, you do it. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. You know, uh, put your push. Who gave you the push to have? Because you know, you're a well-known wrestler from the '80s and, and, and '90s. Uh, yeah. Who gave you that Find big push? Well, I guess in Memphis, uh, with the first family was the was the first real big push. Now Louisiana had a little push, mm-hmm. uh, Florida. Yeah. Uh, but I think the first family really, uh, Jimmy Hart, uh, really, uh, uh, put me with the first family and, yeah. and, and, uh, I think that was, uh, probably the beginning of, of my biggest push was right there in Memphis. Yeah. I'll tell you, I met Jimmy Hart, uh, probably. A month ago, uh, really? in, here, in, in Harrison, Arkansas, he was at an event there for Mid-States uh, Wrestling. Uh, nice guy. Uh, very humble. And uh, I didn't realize how old he was. Um, he's a lot, he's older than I thought. And, uh, but how, such old a, how old is he? He's 79 years old. He's 79? Yeah. Yeah, he's seventy-nine well, I'm, years I'm old. I didn't know he was older than me. But, yeah, uh, but, yeah, but wow. he's a nice guy. Uh, talked to him for a few minutes. You know, there was a big line, so I didn't talk to him too long. But very nice guy. So uh, interesting that when I found that you were part of that first family, I kind of went back to that and, and Jimmy Hart. So that's great. So I, 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 something that I can reiterate. Uh, talk about something about Jimmy Hart in, in relation to what I just talked about, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Jimmy Hart had gold, had uh, platinum records out. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon Girl was one of them that's been remade several times since, but he, he recorded on the same, in the same studio with Elvis. And, and although he was on that same category, not, maybe not quite as far out as Elvis, but he was one of the main characters in, in the music business. Yeah. So he's, you know, he had, like I said, platinum records. Now, in the wrestling business, he took all these bumps. He was they uh, Jerry Lawler just treated him so so badly. You know, it was, in, it was all the work in the in the business. But he took so many bumps from every direction you can imagine. So, yeah. I guess the point I'm saying he he was he, he knew who he was at the record in the record studio, and he knew he, who he was in wrestling yeah. and who he is outside the business. So, yeah. so like I said, you got to know who you are in, in, in any entity that you're associated with. Yeah. And when you when you when you figure that out, then I think you're. Uh, uh, you can, then you can be productive in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about your traveling. I know you've been a lot of different places, uh, Japan, all over the States. What was yeah. your, what, what's some of your memorable travel experiences that you, that you well, the Memphis area was about two, 3,000 miles a week. I mean, that was, we <laughs> yeah, on Tuesday, Monday night we'd work in Memphis and Tuesday night we'd be in, uh, Louisville, Louisville Gardens in Louisville, uh, in Louisville, whatever it is, Kentucky somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's a lot of traveling in the, in the now the Continental Territory is only eight to nine hundred miles a week down in, in the Pensacola area. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, the Texas Territory was pretty nice, uh, and uh, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But uh, wherever you go, though, is you don't have to travel. You know, from 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 town to town. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was your favorite? I guess who was your favorite person you like traveling with? That you could talk to and stories, or you know, get some yeah, ideas or something like that. Was there anybody probably, in particular? Uh, you know, now, my back was so bad at one time I had to get shots to get to walk to just to walk to the ring because those days, if you there wasn't no uh, injury reserve list, if you right. didn't if you didn't walk to the aisle, your name was raced off the list. So honky tonk man, Wayne Ferris, he was in the first round with him, but uh, we were together in Texas and I couldn't walk to the ring. I, I'd get those shots in the back from the doctor in the dressing room. I'd get those shots and then I'd walk to the ring. I'd get to the ring and get back. And he'd, he'd have to pick me up and carry me from the dressing room and carry me and lay me in the car and pick me up in the car and lay me in bed at home. Wow. Wow. So, so he and I made a lot of trips together. Um, yeah. He was one that, uh, you know, really, we were. And we went to the gym together and uh, did a lot. But Kevin Sullivan was another one. We, we spent a lot of time together in the Memphis area, working out together. And uh, we, in fact, we roomed together in different places. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, another one, let's see, uh, maybe nobody even knows who he is, but back in the 80s when I was in California, mm-hmm. uh, John Tolis, the Golden Greek John Tolis. I've heard of him, yep. Yeah, he's been passed away a long time, but... He was really, really wise man, and he really helped me. I sit and listen and talk. Uh, the great Malenko was another one on a thirty minute conversation. I had the belt in uh, in Tampa, and uh, and was having trouble with it, and in the matches. Mm-hmm. And thirty minutes later, he had me straightened out. The old wise man sit and listen, brother. That's you know, all yeah. the young guys, business and young guys anywhere. Just sit and listen to your mentors. The mentors ain't gonna think, ain't gonna lean you the wrong direction. Just listen, listen, and, and follow what they say. And yeah. uh, that cost me thirty years of my career. I listened, but I didn't heed. So yeah. I, I, 
cost me about 30 years of my career that uh, I was in, I missed the point. Yeah, I, I was going through all the motions, but I, I was in the junk so much. One thing or another was more important at that particular moment in time that I kind of missed, I missed a lot of my, I missed a lot of push because I was off point. Now I teach the point to the kids wherever we go talk yeah. and uh, schools and whatever. It's all about staying on task, staying the point, staying off the street corner and staying yeah. on task. Whatever you want to accomplish in life, just stay on it, maybe. Yeah. Just forward your head and don't let nobody stop you. Yeah. 100%. 100% yeah. agree. Let's talk about some uh, chemistry. Did you have any particular person you can remember that you just really enjoyed working with in the ring as a as a as an opponent? Hundred guys, and they would, and if they all wrestled that same guy, they'd always tell you to say who it was, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, I've heard they, that name before. Would tell you Brad Armstrong, I guarantee you, because he was like they say, like a night off is is the term we used in the business. I know it was Rick Flair. It was Flair. Uh, mm-hmm. He was. He was the man. He he made uh, NWA what it is today. I think what it was in the in the past. But uh, yeah, Flair was amazing. The Flair was a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, but who else? Uh, Ricky Steamboat was another I enjoyed. He he really. Uh, we had some great matches. Yeah. But those okay. guys, anybody can have a good match. I think they were so talented. Yeah. That's what uh, I. Warndorf is another one that, that I really Warndorf. respected a lot. Yeah, he's a good Christian guy. Um, trying to think, uh, but but there was a few there. But uh, Brad was probably one that was. Uh, well, Tommy Rogers, he's passed away now. Of course, Brad mm-hmm. has passed away as well. But Tommy and I might have good matches. Yeah, uh, he was. You know, we, we were very good together in the ring. It's yeah. all about respect for each other. If you got respect yeah. for each other, you're gonna have a good match. If you don't, you probably won't. Yeah. Kind of line, but uh, yeah. we all yeah. respect each other. We go out and do what we got to do, beat each other up, but we still got whole respect for each other for all the work we put in to, to get where we're at. Oh yeah, at yeah. that moment. Indeed. But but answer your question. I think Brad would be number one in anybody's book. Yeah, I've heard that name before. I've heard that one and Steamboat a lot. Uh, yeah. If they've worked with them, they were great to work with. Yeah. Uh, so. What about? Uh, you know, you did some tag team for a while. Who, do you, in your mind, was your, probably one of your one of your favorite uh, well, partners? Well, and your fan, Stan Hansen. And I, well, now Stan was another man that. Uh, back up just a moment. Now, other question yep. you asked, but Stan and I were really close. We made a lot of trips together on the road, and, uh, and he was uh, quite an icon. And uh, he got me in Japan, but we tagged together in Japan a lot. But uh, the one who really told me how to tag team was Rip Rogers. Now he's still probably wrestling now. He's my almost my age, I guess. But yeah. but uh, he had so many nuances, and and but I learned how to tag team with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we worked a lot with Ole and Thunderbolt Patterson a lot, of different oh, places cool. around the country. But yeah. uh, but uh, Rip taught me how to how to tag team. I think because a lot of a lot of different things you do to to make yeah. a good tag team. Yeah. Right. kind of things you go through to, to make it yeah. make it right yeah yeah no i i understand that let me yeah. ask you this and, and you know if you don't feel com- uh, i wanted to ask you about any real heat with anybody i mean did you just not i mean you're not saying name did you just have anybody you just didn't like yeah, working man, with I, i've got the i got the heat with the worst one of anybody you could have heat with in the business back to okay. two of them the two top guys in the business I got heat with, and, and, and I don't know, not intentionally, but I did. I was Dusty Rhodes' main boy for a long time. 
when I was a yeah. farmer, he'd fly me to Tampa to do TV back and forth, and uh, I worked with, with Dusty a lot and this, that, and the other, but but uh, it was something he wanted me to do, and I didn't want to do it, so I walked out, and that was probably my biggest mistake in my career. Yeah. And somehow, not knowingly, he got heat with, with, with Jerry Lawler somewhere in the, in the very beginning when I first went to Memphis, and uh, that was uh, that was not good. Because okay. Dusty was the most egotistical guy in the business, but probably one of the smartest. But uh, the smartest guy, I think, in the business, uh, business-wise, is, is Jerry Lawler. And, uh, yeah, now I'm not going to go into details why I think that, but uh, he is. Jerry Lawler is yeah. just incredible, incredibly smart in, in the wrestling business. I've I've heard that. Both those guys I've heard are very Yeah, they, they had a lot of influence, a ton of influence. They made themselves the most, the most influential, influential people in wrestling, I think. Yeah. Okay, interesting. But another one thing, and thank you back, I want to mention his name is... Uh, uh, <laughs> Man, they got a brain, a brain gimmick. Um, Bobby the Brain? No, no, I, I was thinking about. Well, yeah. Oh, he almost got me killed one night, Bobby Brain Heenan. Oh, let's hear about yeah, that. He almost got me killed. I tell you what, I tell you why he almost got me killed is that okay? Unkaypay the business for a minute, but uh, Charlie Harbin was the uh, referee in Atlanta, and he took the rings up and down. He cut his finger off in that sliding overhead door at TBS, oh. the, old, the old studio. So I had to referee that night in, in Carrollton. And it was Bob Armstrong. Uh, Bobby Heenan was uh, Blackjack Grand Lanza's, uh, uh, I think uh, it was his uh, manager. Okay. So I never refereed before. So Bobby Heenan told me everything to do. He, he almost got me stabbed, man. <laughs> <laughs> when you got a guy like it was over like Bob Armstrong. Now Bob was Bob was a, if you call a guy a sweetheart, and Bob was incredible. Yeah. And Bob Armstrong meant a lot to me in my career. But yeah, he was telling me everything I needed to do, and through to me, he walked me through the whole match. Yeah. And I got me so much trouble, got so much heat on me. <laughs> uh, Bob was uh, such a baby face. And Bob was a man. Uh, you, yeah. You grab Bob out of the air, you got you got some trouble from the guy from the front row, man. <laughs> back then, you didn't have to you didn't have to do too much. Just just get a hold, and you work a hole like Ole and Gene Anderson did, and mm-hmm. you get heat. That's why the kids think they got to go cheat. They get heat. No, you, you go wrestle. <laughs> yeah, you go out wrestle that good guy and try to if he if you only the only time you're gonna cheat if you got the top guy like Bob pull his hair one time, but the people on their feet after you. I guarantee you. You know, you just gotta know when to pick you. You gotta know when to when to hold when to fold them. You gotta learn that when to go home. Yeah. Biggest thing now teach kids is when when it's time to go home. Yeah. Um, to get off the subject just a moment, but uh, they'll go and have a match and have maybe three matches all in the one. They'll have one match, another match, and another match. Yeah. Thinking they did a heck of a deal, but. I mean, one night I went to ask these guys. The first match you had was horrible. The second match was pretty good. Do you know where the second match started? They thought a minute. Yeah, they knew where it started because you know they can tell when it dies. Yeah. They, they started too, say they started too high. You got to know when they go home. When you start that high, it's time to go home. Yeah. That whole match. That whole match will be a finish. But if you start low, then you can build it to a crescendo, then go to the house. Mm-hmm. But it's how you start and where you where you start at the way when it's time to go. Yeah, but you gotta realize when it's time to go home. And when it's over, it's over, brother. Yeah, and, and if you lost it, it's time to go. Right, you know, saving. Yeah, but uh, 
No, I don't know if I got off this. I kind of got off. The That's all right. No, you're 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 good. You're fine. You keep me in the keep me in the <laughs> perspective here. No, you're fine. I thought thinking about a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of. Let me tell you this story before I forget. It. I got to sure. tell you this story. Man. Probably my best story uh, of my forty-seven year, whatever it's been, years in the business. I was in the airport somewhere. I didn't even know where it was at. I don't have a clue. It could have been Pennsylvania, it could have been Florida, I don't know. But anyway, I was sitting in there waiting on the plane, and there was a little blonde-headed girl sitting, not next to me, but well, kind of next to me, in the aisle while we were waiting. And there was an older lady across in front of me, in the yellow aisle facing me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this little girl looked at me. I was pretty big at that time. I had a kind of a tight T-shirt on or something, and I had longer hair. And she looked at the back of me while she looked at the front of me. My hair was nice and blonde. It was long, long. I don't know how long it was, but it was pretty long. She looked at the back of me again. Wow. And she looked at the front of me and real, real curiously looked on her face. <laughs> she got up and sat next to her, her grandmama. I said, ma'am, was that your granddaughter? She sure was pretty. And the lady said, yeah. Then the little girl looked up at granny and said, granny, that lady talks awful funny. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just thought that was it. That was when I do. I have repeated that a lot in the church doing talks in different places. I, I was bringing the story up. I think it's so funny. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so endearing. I guess the little girl looked at me. That looked so curious, but looked at the back of me, the front of me, the back of me, and looked at the front again. And said, "That lady talks awful funny." Because I had a much bigger chest than I got now. But whatever. But uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of a good story. Good. And well, you know, I gave me back on track here. Oh, you're all right. Uh, favorite promotion or, or territory you worked in? What do you think is your best place you worked at? Well, Texas was a Texas was a great territory. It was a um, golly, it was hmm. It was so many people at those matches. It was it was a really strong territory because it had a strong TV. Yeah, it had that TV went all over the country, all over the, I don't know about the world, but all over the country anyway. Yeah. Uh, it was sell out everywhere we went was a sell out, even more sometimes. Yeah. Um the Von Erics were the Von Erics are Von Erics. I don't know why five or six of them committed suicide. All all the all the men in that family committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, but I was at I worked at Texas Stadium there in in, in Dallas, which was you know, we, we had that first Texas Stadium show for for David Bon Eric. It was out yeah. in Japan. Yeah, that was a treat. That that was quite a show. Hundred thousand. Well, I don't know, about seventy thousand people, whatever there. Yeah, it was a lot. All of them go shit. Go, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Okay, so you like yeah. Texas? Your best one? Thanks. Well, it's one of them. But at the uh, my my parting night in Texas, we were at, uh, not Rump Arena. That's in Lexington. Uh, Anyway, it was the, the big arena, the, I forget what they called it, but in the middle of town. Yeah. And uh, you, all the boys parked down in the basement, down underneath. Mm-hmm. But after the show, oh, it was, must be thousands of people around the top, all around the top, <laughs> overlook, overlooking where the cars come out of that tunnel. Yeah. And here comes a new Corvette. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Lincoln, yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of car, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes down. <coughs> Uh, a silver shadow Rolls Royce comes down and picks me and my wife up. Uh-huh. You should have sounded like it was uh, 
got to sound like good dynamite went off and people went nuts all that they jumped in the cars and followed us all across town brother in that in that in that uh saddle yeah that lord rose royce man that was uh that was my last night in there in dallas but uh yeah that was just kind of a memorable situation but territories dallas was good but continental probably is the is the best territory i know mm-hmm uh, because it's only about 10 or 12, or 12, 13, 14 guys. And, uh, they run a real, they used to, and it's not there now. They yeah. run a real, real quaint, uh, oh, that's not a word to use, but they were in a really good territory right there and it's small territory, but it's only 800 miles a week at that moment. And they could make good money there too as well. Yeah. But it was only just, it was a certain amount of guys and they changed the guys every so often. But, uh, Bob Armstrong was just, was basically the booker there when I was working out of, out yeah. of Pensacola. Another okay. territory was um, kind of a fun territory was Knoxville. Okay. Uh, uh, back in, it was 19, I don't remember, 19, whatever it was. We were all broken. I had a 74 Pinto station wagon. It was had the smoke coming out of the back end, water running out of the front end. It was me and, uh, uh, I, I just mean it was a mom. Anyway, it was two other guys. Randy Colley was one, and and they were the Moon Dogs in uh, in New York. Yeah, called okay. the Moon Dogs. They had the bone, the soup bone with them. Yeah. But one of them passed away now. But anyway, I had those two guys. They were two hundred fifty pounds a piece, maybe more. All our bags, and I was two there in, in that little Pinto station wagon, and we were broke and had no money. Uh, and kind of put 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 up the hills of Tennessee and kind of just float down. I had to had to kind of neutral to go down the other side. Put 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 back up. Yeah, but you want to be a restaurant kid, but <laughs> but <laughs> that's like it was almost like a cartoon in that darn car. The smoke coming out of the back end, and water falling out of the front end because they bust the radiator or something. <laughs> but we wanted to be a restaurant, but we were making the town, getting yeah. our twenty dollar payoff. Me making that town, brother. Couldn't eat, <laughs> barely yeah. get gas to get to the town. That's great. Uh, that's... Yeah, you know, and then it's all fabulous, like you like you think it is. Is this? Uh, you know, you got to pay your dues, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's jump into the next part. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on on uh, recording here about the difference between pro wrestling today versus when you when you came in. Uh, what is your biggest? What's the biggest difference to you as far as the work and everything, all that? Okay. When I'm not sure what year it was when. ECW came out. Um, it was in the 90s. Uh, it have been uh, somewhere in the nineties. Yeah. All the hardcore stuff. Yeah. I made him take it off TV here in, in town. I wouldn't. I didn't want to show it in town. Uh, okay. Bob wire around the. You know, got razor wire around the ropes, and you got you know thumbtacks on the bottom of the ring. You got glass. Yes, and you hitting. You got you got staple machines stapling each other with staple machines. Man, you hit yourself with a stupid trash can. Uh, I mean, what is that? Yeah. What is that? I gave up a life. I gave up a, a job I loved of ten years or so as a paramedic. I gave up a big home I had built. I gave up a family to be able to walk in a ring, to walk in that wrestling ring, to be able to continue to walk in that wrestling on a full time basis. You know, it would just hurt to see all this. So I, I took it off TV. I didn't want to. Even, I didn't want anybody to even see that stuff. And I did, because it was yeah. so to me, so so horrible. 
But now the wrestling has got to where it's just stuff. I mean, incredible stuff those kids are doing. Now, I have yeah. seen a few good shows. The AWE, I'll give them a shot. Shout out. I think it's AWE. Uh, uh, Dusty Sun. Yeah, Dustin Rose, Cody. Yeah, yeah, Cody, Cody Rose. Uh, Jaguars gave him, the football team gave him a billion dollars to start that business with. Yeah. Gave him a billion dollars to start AWE. A- is it AWE or AEW? What is it? I'm not sure what it is. AEW, a- All Elite Wrestling is what it's okay. called, yeah. Now, on that show recently, They've had some incredible wrestling matches on there since they got the yes guy. What's his name? It's the yes, yes, yes guy. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Daniel Bryanson. Daniel Brian, Bryan. Dan- Brian, Brian Danielson. That's his name. Yeah, what it a, used what to be Daniel Bryan, yeah. But they've had some great wrestling matches on, not just he, but a few other matches I've seen on that are really, really good old school matches. Because in the back, in the behind, in behind the scenes, they got old school guys. They got, uh, oh, they got uh, the guy from Florida. I mean, guy from from Texas. Uh, shoot, I can't think of names on hand. Arn Anderson I, is one. Arn started with us in in, in uh, Pensacola. Yeah, um, under his Mister A or whatever he was under a mask. But uh, he's in that black office. He's one of the greatest ever been in the ring. One of the yeah. smartest ever in the ring because he was mentored by Ole Anderson and all that bunch. Yeah. And us and and and, uh, and with Bob and Continental and all the other places where we had real wrestling. He yeah. became a real wrestler, but anyway, so uh, he's behind that group in the back. So I'm sure they, you know, they're they are oriented to the old school more than than WWE is. Yeah, WWE yeah. could care less as long as they make money. Yeah, they just go. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, you were there for a little while uh, in the yeah, 90s, I, I believe. They were working with uh, working with Vince. Yeah. Yeah. How how was that for you? Vince was great. Vince was great. I I, I really admire. Not I don't know what it is. I admire Vince. I respect him greatly because he always took care of the boys. I thought. Uh, An instance, you got WCW on one side and you got WWF on one side. We had a big show at WCW one time. Oh, your wife's got to go sit in the car while we do all this stuff out here now. Yeah. Oh, really? WWF. Oh, WWF. It was WWF. I think maybe at that point. So yeah. I bring my wife and her, her friend in, and they take them, and Vince has them taken to a VIP seating. Okay. Out VIP. He puts yeah. them in. That's if that's, great. If that's <laughs> now Vince says, if you don't, don't worry about it, we'll fix it. WCW puts so much pressure on you. You know, yeah. you know Vince said, don't worry, screw it up. If you do, we will fix it. Don't worry about it. So you know, you won't. Yeah. You go out with it. it's a whole different atmosphere. Is what I'm hope, what I'm trying to say, but yeah. there's too many people with, with, with walk around with papers in their hand with WCW. Too too yeah. many too many whatevers, and uh, they only had one there at uh, New York, and that was Vince, basically. Yeah. He ran so the show. Got but you know you got one guy leading the thing. Over here you got so many different personalities. Right. You know, trying to get over and all trying to fight each other. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Did you ever work in up in uh, Minnesota for the AWA in the eighties or? Well, like that, I, was, no? I was supposed to go up and be tag teaming with uh, with somebody. I forget who it was, but for some reason I, I missed a spot. Somebody else took my spot in that in that at, with uh, that was the number one territory for years. Was, yeah. was Minnesota number one money money before Vince took him when Vince's dad was still alive in New right. York. You know, so Minnesota at that point was, I think, the number one territory to to, to have been in. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but no, I, I missed it because somebody took my spot for some reason. Yeah, I, I missed the spot I was supposed to have gone to, but I never went. Okay. Okay. Now I did work with them some. I worked with some of them, and uh, and uh, I was called to come up to uh, Kansas City. Ah. Some of the same guys through that same area. Yeah. Geigel and all those guys in Kansas City. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, I never did make it to, to uh, Minnesota. Though, I think I'm, I'm, I, w- I would like to have had. I thought yeah. it might have been a good for me. Yeah, that's where I mainly uh, when I was a kid in the late '70s and early '80s. You know, that's all we got. I'm from Wisconsin, originally born and raised, and you know we got All Star Wrestling AWA every right. Sunday, and we'd watch. Yeah, it was my thing. But too bad. Yeah, I they didn't know if you were there or not. I couldn't. I don't remember. But yeah. I, you know, I was. I've been wrong. I worked with him, like I said, in Kansas City that one time, and uh, for for a week it was Bob Brown. I think it was went in to work with him. But anyway, yeah. uh, but I never actually went into into Minnesota okay. uh, working. There. All right. I never went to Canada. I never went to Canada either. I thought it was too cold. Yeah, Minnesota's oh, pretty cold too. So. I'm Florida, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. Well, one one last question here. And uh, what are you up to now? What are, what's your what kind of projects are you working on or doing? Well, I'm still wrestling most every weekend somewhere. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm just 75. I got I got some more years left. Now you know. Get back to what I started and mentioned before by being in the junk. I call it junk or in the distractions. Yeah. Uh, I missed my six figures and, and, and I missed my six figures because of the junk. Mm-hmm. Now the Lord is smart, finally smartened me up maybe four or five years ago mm-hmm. and letting me work at a high level and leave a legacy and teach these kids the old school wrestling while we have a match. He's let me be where I should have been. I could have been 30 years ago now because I finally got smart. I'm on task. Yeah. I'm on point now. He's teaching them, leaving a legacy, making these kids. I take a kid in the ring now and get everything he knows out of him, then I go home. Yeah. Anything other than he knows, if, he, if we got it at the end of his knowledge, all he knows what he sees on TV, and I ain't doing all that mess. Yeah. We're going to the <laughs> Now, if we go to the house and he don't understand it, we sit down and talk about it. I said, why did we go to the house? Why did we do this? Why did we did that? Yeah. And let them understand what real wrestling is about. Yeah. But they have it and let them feel it. You have to feel it to understand it. You got yeah. to feel the perfect golf shot before you ever know what to work to get to one. Mm-hmm. So that's my job now is to teach these kids how to, how to have a real wrestling match. Yeah. And know when it's time to go. Yeah. You know, if you don't go at the right time, you lose it. You lose your, it's no good anymore. You got to go at the right time. You got to know when it's time to go. You got to know what to do. You, it don't matter what you do, but it's got to do whatever you got to do. You got to do it at the right time. You got to listen to people and let them tell you what to do. Yeah. You can't call a match in the back. That's the worst thing you can ever do. I'm teaching these kids. You got to go listen to the people and do what they want and do what they tell you. Yeah. If you listen to them, your brain, they'll come in the ring with you and you got them right with you the whole match. Yeah. And then they'll move, they'll move back and forth in that seat and up and down to have what you want them to do once you get them in the house. When I do my, when I sing on the floor, I do a little, I do a little in the band a little bit, a little bit, and I'm an entertainer. But I, 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 when I'm singing, I sit down at the table with the folks while I'm singing them. I dance with them. I bring them in my pocket. Got them in my pocket with me. <laughs> That's great. You don't have to be a great talent. You just have to be a. You just have to know how to how to entertain folks, and you put the people first. It's all yeah. about the people. It ain't about us. Yeah. It's about the fans, and they deserve everything you got. I don't leave nothing behind when I go in a match. Yeah. I left nothing behind. 
I guarantee you that when I go out, when they get done watching what I do, yeah. I'm not blowing the horn. I'm just saying what I've learned. Yeah. I've learned how to appreciate the fans and put them first. Yeah. And that those ones that make who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the ones that writes the writes the books and the writes the the notifications and all the stuff about who we did or what we did. Yeah. So you putting people over first, and then uh, and then that's that's just where it's at. It's about the fans and making fans. Yeah. Give them their money's worth, man. Yeah. Some guys want to go out and just get the money and don't worry about the fans. And you know, nowadays, you know, some of the older guys who think they're still worth ten million dollars, <laughs> yeah, they go give you ten. They go give you a ten cent match. Yeah. I get ten cents to give you a million dollar match. I still get ten cents to give you a million dollar match. I don't care what I get. I'm still gonna give you a million dollar match. I guarantee you, because that's my legacy I'm leaving out there with those fans and with those young kids. They gave me that world heavyweight belt. Yeah. Gave me his belt because I got mine. Because I got cheated out of mine. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Well, I'm so I'm happy that you're 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 giving back, and I know a lot of wrestlers from your from your era, do that. They, uh, you know, I had an interview back a few months ago with Les Thatcher. He trains guys. Oh yeah. Uh, they, you know, they, you know why we have because we grew up. Yeah. We learn. We learned. Uh, we learned life. Yeah. We learned life like it's supposed to be learned from the old guys, yeah. from our fathers and our forefathers, uh, like your granddaddy or your daddy and granddaddy and his his granddaddy. You learn. You learn respect and you learn. Mm. You, you learn the real deal from those guys from years ago. Yeah. And it goes back to, I don't know when wrestling started, but it goes back to when a body slam was a finish. Yes. Yes. It goes back <laughs> to those days. That's the real days. Yeah. When you can make a body, a body slam a finish. Yeah. You know, that, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just uh, learn respect for the business, learn respect yeah. for the fans, and learn respect for yourself. Yeah. To, 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 when I go to a town out, my car is washed. Uh-huh. I've got, I'm dressed. I teach kids, you go, you go to that town dressed. When I walk in, when I drive in the park, in that parking lot, I say, my car is washed and I'm a superstar. Yeah. I've got, I got the suit on, I got all, I got the suit on, I got all the stuff. Right. And, but when I leave and get home, I say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I take trash out. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Understand. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Chick Donovan, thank you, sir, for coming on well, today. Finish, I really appreciate it. I, I got to finish with this. This is my testimony. Sure, go ahead. All the folks, I don't know where this airs or when it airs or uh, even where it, where it goes, but uh, any of those folks who listen to this, just raise your hand to the Lord up in heavens. And and, and if you if you ha- if you have any problems in your life, if you and just turn to the Lord, Lord. And just if you need the Lord in your life, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I want Jesus coming to my heart to get my sins and save my soul. Once again, folks, raise that hand up if you got any. If you got any 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 uh, thoughts about not having salvation? Because I think we're in the last days with this COVID and all the things are going. It's not even going to get any better. It's going to get worse and worse. I think this is part of the tribulations that's going on. Uh, that's that's happening to the to the coming back of our Lord. So let's raise our hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I believe in you, Lord. Um, forgive me my sins and save my soul. If you say those prayers in earnestly, Lord, you'll be in you'll get you'll be in the uh, the book of world records in the heavens. I guarantee you, when the time comes. But 
you know, it's been great to be here with you, Brian. And, uh, God, it's, it's always wonderful to be able to talk about, you know, talk about wrestling, I guess. Yeah. Chick, thank you again. Thank you for your message. Um, yeah, thank, thank you I, for I, having me. Oh, I really appreciate it. Folks, if you're out there listening, uh, you know, Chick, he lives in LaGrange. He's got a Facebook page. I'm sure you can follow him. You just type his name in and follow him. And thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it so much. And I learned a lot today from you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chick Donovan, thanks, Chick, again for coming on. Thank you very much. It's time to get back to the gym twice a day. I'll be ready for the fans. Got to do it for the fans, man. (laughs) All right. Thanks again. And God bless bless all you folks up there in that cold country. (laughs) All right, folks, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.